God of the earthquake and of the silence. Quiet in us any voice but yours, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might hear, and in hearing we might believe, and in believing we may act, making way for your new creation. In Christ's name, amen. This week's story from the book of Acts is still set in Philippi, the first church that we know of on European soil. Our passage tells of a fortune-telling slave girl, an earthquake, and a suicidal jailer. Listen now for God's word for us in the 16th chapter of Acts, starting at the 16th verse. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaims to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they'd given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. So following their instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
Have you ever had something annoying happening on your way to church? Now, I don't mean something like the not one or two, but three detours we had to deal with today to get here from our house. I don't mean missing a turn like Betty and I did one time on the way to Warrington. We had surprised to end up in Henderson. Well, they have a road from Henderson to Warrington, so it worked out. I don't mean like the times that we said, you know, we got behind somebody with a learning dis a dyslexia, learning disability. They saw that highway speed sign that said speed limit 65, and they thought it said 45. We've had that along the way too. I don't mean like the time that we missed a turn one time going to the church in Selma and unwinding our way back to the right place. We ran up on a highway patrol checking everybody's driving license. I mean, they had to read every line. It took forever to get through that line, and you do not get out of line and try to get around that. That doesn't work. No, I'm not talking like those kind of, I'm talking about, well, something like uh, our son, Paul III, had one morning when he was about sixth grade, almost a teenager, and as he headed off to Sunday school down at First Presbyterian in Raleigh, our 12-year-old son saw someone near the door who looked a little rough and ragged, someone he didn't recognize. She was leaning on the building wall, and she wasn't smoking. She was sucking on that cigarette hard, you know, like the, like the filter would give her something, too. I don't know. Anyway, she glanced up and saw him, and then she said several rude things I will not repeat here. The only thing I can repeat is she said, what you looking at? <laughs> And then there was a bunch of other stuff. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, she used, she used several terms that he had not heard before, not in church, not at home, not at school, and not anywhere else. Well, he went on to Sunday school and church, but I mean to tell you, we had quite a discussion on the way home. Well, Paul said, well, he recognized that this woman was, she was probably homeless and that he knew that, from talking to his parents and all, he knew that some people who were homeless also had mental health issues. Well, his two psychologist parents, well, we kind of, we praised him for his forbearance and we gave ourselves a little parental pat on the back, you know. And I said, son, people have said things at church that hurt my feelings. He stepped on my toes, but ain't nobody ever said that kind of stuff to me at church. Thank you for having the grace to forgive this woman. Well, as some of y'all know, Paul ended up doing his high school graduation project on homelessness. He and I helped feed 700 people lunch one day and gave away enough blankets to fill the front of this church one cold day in Raleigh. He ended up doing his college internship at the Wake Shelter for Homeless, and they works at the Raleigh Rescue Mission where their motto is changing lives through the love of Christ. Well, changing lives through the love of Christ, that's what the Apostle Paul and his missionary team, Silas and Luke and all were doing in Philippi. Remember last week we read about how on the Sabbath, Paul and Silas had gone outside the gate by the river where they supposed there was a place of prayer and that's where they met Lydia who along with her whole household became Christians. So on another Sabbath, 
Paul and Silas and Luke, they're on their way to a place of prayer by the river. And along the way, they meet somebody, a slave girl, who's got a spirit of divination. And divination is, is trying to learn something about the future, especially through spirits or magic or some other superhuman source. Old Testament texts forbid it, but the Old Testament also tells of various kings of Israel, Saul, for example, who did it anyway. Well, now, pause a minute before you judge them about their silliness, about, you know, looking at entrails or all these other different things to predict the future. Some of us, some of us are going to watch that pregame NBA show tonight to see who the analysts think are going to win, the Warriors. But we'll see. Some will read the analyst uh, in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere to see which stocks are headed up or down. And most of us watch the weather forecast, try to foretell the weather. They get pretty close, but you know, basically the weather tomorrow is gonna to be pretty much like it is today, right? Most days. And that's generally what they say. Well, this slave girl must have been, she must have been pretty good with her fortune telling because she made money for her owners. Now don't you wonder what it was that annoyed Paul so much? If you think about it, what she was saying, what she would cry out was actually true. She said, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. Well, that's exactly what they were doing. But something about, maybe it's her look or her voice was odd or uh, maybe it's just kind of like one of those commercials you get tired of seeing over and over, you know, the progressive lady or whatever, that you just, maybe it annoyed him. So he directed that spirit to come out of her, and it did. Well, meeting and healing the slave girl, that's just the first part of our three-part story. Paul had been annoyed by the loud girl, but the owners, the owners, they were downright angry about her getting healed because it was going to cost them their fortune-telling profits. So they grab up Paul and Silas, and they drag them in the marketplace to report them to the authorities. But they didn't say, they didn't say, oh, we're going to sue him for loss of income. That's not what they did. They accused him of being subversive outsiders. These men are disturbing our city. They're Jews. They're advocating customs not lawful for us Romans. You see, it was against the law for the Jews to try to convert any Romans. Well, then it's clear that they didn't really get a chance to say, okay, now we get, that was one side. We get to say our side. That's not what happened. Because you just know they would have said, we're not outside agitators, we're Roman citizens. Sharing the gospel with you. Well, what happened was, the crowd joins in attacking, and, and the magistrates have them stripped of their clothing, beaten with rods, give them a severe flogging, and then they throw them in jail. And you remember the, jail, the jailer put them in the innermost cell, hardest to escape from, right? And also put them in the stocks. Well, the stocks were not just to make sure they didn't escape. It forced your feet to be apart, and you had to stay in that position. So it, was, it added to the torture of being jailed. Well, forcing, um, so Paul and Silas, they're in jail, they're in chains, and instead of moaning and groaning, you know, nobody knows the trouble we see and all that kind of thing, around midnight, they're praying and singing hymns. Well, 
All of a sudden, there's this earthquake, shakes the foundations of the prison, lets them all loose, loose from their chains, opens the doors. Now, a reasonable preacher, a reasonable preacher would have said, Lo, this earthquake is a sign, it's a message for us to depart. Let's leave before they start beating us up again, right? I would have said that. Let's leave. But that's not what happened. A preacher, reasonable person might have said, you know, come to think of it, didn't Jesus say something about this kind of situation? You remember back in Matthew 10th chapter? Jesus said, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Friends, this is a time to leave, right? They made it abundantly clear. We ain't welcome here. It's time to shake some dust and go. Well, the jailer wakes up. He sees the situation and just knew his prisoners had escaped. And he was in deep trouble. You see, if a Roman jailer lost his prisoners, he lost his life. So he draws his sword. He's about to take his own life when Paul spoke up. Well, that's not what Luke says. He didn't say he spoke up. Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We're still here. So the jailer takes Paul and Silas to his own home, sits food before them. And then his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Some people take an earthquake to make them believe. Huh? Well, that's as far as we read. But what about the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say? Well, the magistrate sent the police to the jailer with a message, and the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, the magistrates sent word to let you go, therefore come down out and be in peace. Well, you would have think that'd end the story. We've got permission to go. Let's shake the dust and go, right? But that's not what happened. Paul said, they have beaten us in public, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. That's against the law. You can't do that. They've thrown us into prison. And now they're going to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. Well, the police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. They knew they were in trouble then. So they came and apologized, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. Please leave our city. <laughs> And that says they, they went by to Lydia's house and they said goodbye to her and all the other believers in that church there. And what happened to the slave girl? Well, we don't know her name and we don't know what happened to her. All we know is she was out of the fortune telling business. She was freed from that demonic spirit. In fact, if you think about it, everybody in this story we saw as not free in the beginning ends up free and vice versa. You see, freedom is not just what appears on the outside. It's what's in your heart and soul. In the eighth chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. You see, what, what sets you free is the truth. And the truth is, God loves you and there's not a thing you can do about it. 
except to love God and love God's children by doing by doing like the rescue mission says, changing lives. Starting with our own. Changing lives through the love of Christ. Thanks be to God. Our chains are broken. Our prison doors are open. So go forth with joy to live so that through you, others may also find this freedom, this release. And now may the power of God, our creator, keep us always in grace and truth. Amen.